So stop me if you've heard this one, but I am absolutely going to repurpose all of my podcast episodes. I'm going to turn them into blog posts and extract parts of them for social threads and maybe make a cool companion video series. And over the next year, I'm going to curate all of them into a book and maybe a course for good measure. It is going to be great. I know, I've said it too. Content repurposing is something that often gets backburnered in the face of the zillion and one things you have to do every day. Or it's something that you do actively work on and repurpose your episodes into different parts of your business, but it doesn't always have the massive impact or you know efficient production standards that you might have been hoping for. A lot of us have been there. And there's a really good reason for it. Repurposing well is a lot harder than it looks on the box. My guest today, Jacqueline Schiff, knows all about how challenging repurposing can be, and more importantly, just how to do it right. She is the CEO of Podreacher, a company that specializes in content transformation for B2B businesses. This is a great, super valuable conversation about a topic I know we all care about as content creators, so I hope that you enjoy it on today's episode of the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. All right. So Jacqueline, thank you very much for being here. We're going to jump right into things and I'm going to try and stump you with a question. And that is, what's a podcast you wish existed, but that doesn't currently, to the best of your knowledge? Yeah, I like that question. There's actually a podcast that I've thought about creating for years. I don't think it exactly exists. And if it does, I'd I'd love to hear about it. But, you know, as someone who's lived in different places, so right now I live in Austin, Texas. Before that, I lived in Chicago and I grew up in South Africa. I've done a stint in D.C. I'm very much a nomadic person by nature and always just thinking about place and what can you bring to a place and what can a place bring to you? And so the idea for a podcast would be how to choose where to live. Because I find those conversations and certainly conversations I've had with friends who've moved. And this obviously is for a certain type of person who's lucky enough to choose where to live and make a decision around that. But it's a fascinating question, right? And we all have such an individual take on it. I just feel like I've learned a lot from those discussions. And, you know, not only do you learn about the place, but how people think about something that's really important. So I think that would be really interesting. No, I I agree. That would be great. Because yeah, it's got a a framework like that can be such a useful thing when you're designing a show, when you're working on a show, kind of having an overarching purpose uh, that you want to get into and a general kind of flow of an episode you're going to take from one to one uh, can be really great. So that's a fun answer. Thank you for that. It's an aspiration. So maybe one day I'll get around to doing it. But yeah, definitely a topic I think about a lot. You were saying before we hit record that uh, you're in a situation that I've been in for a very long time, which is working in the industry, but not necessarily being a frontline content creator of the podcast in the industry. Why don't you have a podcast? So it's interesting. Actually, the company has evolved quite a bit. I would say at this point, you know, I wouldn't actually primarily describe us as podcast mm-hmm. company. That gets away from your question. That's fine. That's fine. (laughs) I want to be respectful because I've totally, you know, done that. So the reason, honestly, and this is true, right, is from having supported so many podcasters over the years, I've seen firsthand how much work it is, (laughs) you know, to be consistent and, you know, to make it good and to just show up each week or whatever it is with the required energy and focus for it. And it's a great undertaking. I think there's a lot to be gained from it. But for me, being in 
kind of my business is under five years old. I just haven't felt like I've had the focus mm-hmm. and brain space to put into that that I would want to. No, totally fair answer. Because we always tell people at One Stone Creative, you know, you know, don't start a podcast until you're really ready because it is going to be a lot bigger of a commitment than it looks on paper. Uh, even if you have really great help and support, it's still like there's you can work an unlimited amount on a podcast if you want to. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about your business and especially its evolution over the years. Um, so how did you start Podreacher um, and kind of where has it gone uh, in the last five years? Sure. I guess I teased that. No, it was a great tease. Perfect hook. Loved it. (laughs) Nice. Well, it helps when you ask good questions, right? So thank you for that. I started the company a little over three years ago. And coming from what I would say is a broad content strategy background, I've done it in kind of all shapes and forms as a consultant, someone who's worked at a PR firm as a director of communications for an organization. And having started my career in journalism, I love thinking about how we create content, the different ways we can do it, and then ultimately, like how it can serve your organization. And as podcasts picked up in popularity, I noticed people asking and wanting to take their audio content and turn it into an assortment of written content. So the journalist in me was like, well, That's journalism, right? Like you go and you interview a person and put together a story. And so, you know, started the business based on just observing there was demand for a service like this. And so we started primarily with podcasts. But as time has gone on, work more generally, I'd say, with B2B companies Mm -hmm. that are producing recorded content. So a lot of them are doing podcasts, but, you know, our core competency as a company, is taking the spoken word and turning it into readable, shareable text. Usually that's a blog post, it could be a white paper, it could be an ebook, anything that's kind of long form text content. We sort of had clients that were asking us, we've done this webinar, we've done this video, this virtual conference presentation, can you work on that? And, you know, there was kind of no reason to stick only to podcasts. So that's kind of where the journey's taken us. No, that's, that's a really interesting progression, and I think a really good insight because um, I know this comes up from time to time is that you know writing show notes to, or you know doing other kinds of repurposing from type of recorded content. It is kind of walking a line between more technical writing and more creative writing, uh, and it's not truly either. Um, it, can can you speak to that a little bit? The kind of the type of thinking that you need to apply to transforming something that is recorded for audio visual into something that is you know more appropriate for the written word. Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot of things, but I think mainly right is we don't write the way we speak. Mm. So sometimes there's like that advice you should write the way you speak, but it just doesn't like flow both ways. So. For example, something we will see a lot of is, let's say in a podcast interview, a person will say, there are three reasons why you should do this. And they'll list the first two, and then like the third will kind of trail off. That definitely happens. (laughs) Or it happens like way later in the conversation. So part of the job of making something compelling, let me say, to read in text is to listen for that. So maybe they didn't give three reasons, so then you don't want to give three reasons. Or maybe they did and they gave it at different parts of the interview. You want to tie that together for the reader. Mm -hmm. So I guess the main thing is to take a conversation, which is usually nonlinear, and write it up in a way so that it's a good reading experience. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different output 
than a transcript. It definitely is. It definitely is. And I like that, that kind of taking it from a standpoint of how the reader is going to be different than the listener um, and modifying the content so that it really is appropriate to the media you're going to be publishing it in. Yeah, 100%. So over your years of doing this, I imagine you've seen kind of a whole bunch of different types of repurposing and content that's being repurposed. Um, what was one of the most interesting or creative transformations uh, you've either seen or uh, created? Yeah, that's a good question. Some of the projects that I've been the most proud of that our team has worked on has been where you're not just taking a single piece of content and let's say, a podcast episode, turning it into an article. It's taking many episodes and turning it into one kind of massive piece of content. We've had the opportunity to do that on a few occasions, done that at least once for Founder Suite. And we've also done this for the PR Maven, where we've taken like a year of content, you know, really selected the highlights, curated it in a different way so that it's delivering unique insights from the episode, there's a lot more value when you're able to draw in several different pieces, analyze, compare, mm-hmm. see how they kind of play off each other. So I find those projects really satisfying. And I think just in terms of the value that the content can deliver, it really stands on its own as a unique piece. You know, you're still doing more with what you have, mm-hmm. which is one of the appealing things about repurposing, I think. That's definitely some of the ones that stand out. Well, that sounds really fun. And it sounds like a really, really creatively satisfying project to take that many different pieces and turn them into one final project. It's also challenging. <laughs> I, <laughs> I imagine it is. Because <laughs> it's like, maybe someone did an episode a week. And so 52, like, or at least 50 episodes. And that's a lot to go through. But again, you know, it's worth it for the insights mm-hmm. that you can deliver. And it helps a lot, I think, also when content creators are thinking about that at the front end and not just podcast episodes, recording all these podcast episodes and then saying, okay, what can we do with all of them? Mm -hmm. To think about it at the front end and be like, what is the kind of question that I'd love to be able to answer for my audience once I've done 50 interviews? What's the kind of insight I'd like to provide? That's another just really helpful, I think, guide for creating repurposed content, but but any kind of content, really. I was actually just about to ask you about kind of going about to create with the intent to repurpose. And so do you think that kind of having a real thesis or real uh, kind of objective for learning almost, uh, is that like the best thing someone can do if they're creating content that they intend to repurpose? Or are there other things they can also be considering? You know, maybe say before I was sitting down to record this conversation with you, um, if my intent is to strongly repurpose, uh, what else should I have been thinking about to, to really make that an easy process on the back end? Definitely. So a couple thoughts on that. I mean, I do think it helps to always create content with the end in mind. So it does help to kind of think about this ahead of sitting down and recording. You always want to have some kind of strategy. But to your question of making it easier and thinking about, let's say, a podcaster or whether it's a consultant or a business owner and they maybe don't have a a large team or they're not in a position to outsource this kind of thing, one of the easiest ways to repurpose content and to be able to refer back to podcast episodes is actually, I would say, as part of your intake form, 
So if you're interviewing guests, presumably you have some kind of intake form. And to ask a question on that form, maybe it's like the best business book they've ever read or something like that, that wouldn't require you to necessarily go back and listen to every episode. And again, especially if you're just an individual or you have a really small team and there just isn't time to do that. Once you've got 20, 25 people, and obviously you want the question to be relevant to your audience Mm -hmm. and the people that you're trying to reach. So the business book was just one idea, but there's a million directions you could take it. It should obviously also be aligned with the topic of your podcast. But there you've got a very easy list to make where you literally just got to pull the stuff from the form, whatever their responses were. And then you can also refer back to those episodes. So you're getting the opportunity to remarket those episodes and you're getting a valuable original piece of content because it's not even something that they discussed probably within the episode. Mm -hmm. So I love that approach. But that does require kind of thinking about it ahead of time. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, Stealing that. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) I I think it's a good one. And by the way, I mean, Megan, you had a nice intake form. Oh, thank you. good. So yeah. Easy enough to like add a question there if you want. <laughs> I, I do love my forms. I mean, who doesn't write a good form will save you so much time. <laughs> so what are some of the other, um, what are some of like the repurposing processes or kind of end results that you can make? Like just maybe some different ways people can think about it that they may not have before. What, what's a couple of good repurposes? We can take any audio, any video and turn it into any sort of long form piece of written content. And... So one of the reasons we focus on that is because primarily we're working with businesses Mm -hmm. and content is kind of the currency of introduction on the web. You know, I kind of like to think of it that way. And in all of these things, whether it's a podcast interview, whether it's a webinar, there's elements of your story and your message as a business And that's why I love this as a way to develop content, because, you know, a lot of the folks at companies that we work with, it's a struggle to get the CEO or the president to sit down and like brain dump. And then like you've got to tease out the ideas and then ghostwrite what they're saying. And then they're going to want to have a lot of oversight over that. And then it never (laughs) happens. Right. I see you've worked with CEOs before. (laughs) (laughs) And so what I love about this is they've been out there, they've been speaking, right? And Mm -hmm. it's recorded. And what I love about the repurposing process is that, you know, you kind of help unlock those ideas for a different format, and it helps you and your brand become discoverable in a variety of ways. It's a really efficient, time-saving tool to create, you know, an elusive type of content, Mm -hmm. essentially, You can search optimize this content. But to me, again, it's like primarily more like thought leadership, message first content. I guess we could dig into that, but I think that's really valuable because that's what differentiates your business from the others is the weight of the ideas, the personality, what people bring to it. No, that's that's fantastic. And I love that idea of uh, efficiency uh, in this because, you know, especially getting that 
sort of direct input from, say, the top of an org chart, it can be really, really challenging to get someone to take the time. And uh, goodness, when when they're trying to do their own podcast themselves, you know, those schedules are really, really tight. Um, and do you think there's also something to be said for an outside like a more objective view or someone who doesn't work at the company or maybe doesn't have a lot of familiarity with the specific organization. Can a stranger do a better job at sort of extracting those stories and those messages, do you think? That's an interesting question. It's also subjective, so it's going to be in the, in the eyes of the beholder. But, you know, I think there's always something to be said for fresh eyes. It depends probably a lot also on the company culture. Some companies are really attached to the way that they express things and, and they really want to have a very firm hold on that process. And some are probably more open to new ideas, let me say, or fresh spin. But I think as far as outsourcing content, I do think that this is the easiest type of content mm -hmm. to outsource. So regardless of where you are on that spectrum, if you have a very specific idea of what you want something to look in the end, or you're more open and you're willing to sort of lean into the creative process. <laughs> you know, what's nice is basically the output of repurposed content can really only be as good as the recording you're starting with. Fair point. Sometimes that mirror is a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> for some, but there's a lot you can do to enhance it. And, you know, sometimes we'll do podcast interviews on behalf of the guest. And not everyone is a pro podcast interviewer like you, Megan, like, right, you know, you're kind. <laughs> no, I'm saying like prepares, anticipates questions and, and all these things. And so there's, there's things you can do. But ultimately, when it's, it's already based on something, it's slightly restrictive, mm -hmm. like it's only going to be so good. True enough, true enough. So if someone is, maybe they are solo and maybe they're they're thinking about, you know, hiring third party, but aren't quite there yet. If someone is planning, you know, to make repurposing a part of their content work, um, how long do you think they should really be spending on turning one finished piece of content into a different type of finished content? What, what's the expectation for time spent there? That's a hard one because it's mm -hmm. sort of like saying how long is a piece of string? The it depends, like, first of all, how quickly you write mm -hmm. Are you re-listening to the content? How good is the transcript in front of you? So I'm getting really into the weeds here. But honestly, I think that it's a tough ask. You know, unless you're a really prolific writer and let's say you're doing a podcast, you're a business owner, you're kind of a one-man shop. I think it's hard. And so it is a an expenditure of time. And I think mm -hmm. there's no way to get around that. So my recommendation in those cases would be not to do every single episode. So like one of the things I'll advise people is say, first of all, probably the podcast you're doing is evergreen, meaning that the information doesn't date quickly. Mm -hmm. And so what you could do is every three months, you can review your episodes and you can look at analytics. Or even if not analytics, just did you get comments, questions in response to an episode? And maybe that's how you decide which one to write about. That's you a know, great idea. The one that seemed to spark the most interest. So I think that's a way to be mindful of your time mm -hmm. and, I guess, put the most effort into something that will yield the best results. I, I love that. And it's that's such a nice entry point, too, if someone is often you know jumping into a... a really extensive relationship with a third-party service provider is a really big decision to make. So it's, I like that idea of really looking at, okay, what has been, you know, the most impactful content over the last quarter? And let's start with that. 
back to efficiency, I think, which is maybe the key word of the day. <laughs> like we started this conversation, a podcast is a time suck. <laughs> Just a little. You know, I want to be like sympathetic and understanding of that. And also like there's a reason people are podcasting and it's because they have some kind of message to share. And so it's easy to add stuff to the plate, less so to add the things that will you know, move the needle. And so mm -hmm. I like to try help people think through that. And the other thing with marketing, as you know, is there's no one size fits all mm -hmm. ever. Not very much. So often when people are getting started, uh, like a season can be a great way to, to start a podcast and dip your toe into the water because it's probably not going to happen, but you could start a podcast and you could absolutely hate it. That's, that's a possible outcome from kind of the whole experiment and, and, and making that kind of content. But I want to come back to something that you, you touched on just really, really briefly and get into it a little bit more, because a big topic of discussion in podcast world, as you probably know, is to transcript or not to transcript. And if you do transcript, how to make those available. So what's your thoughts on kind of that whole issue? I do take a bit of a controversial stance. So first of all, I think transcripts serve a purpose, like for sure, right? Like they make your podcast, you know, or any recording more accessible. So I think it's very important to have them. The thing that kind of grinds me is people think by having them, they're like, oh, I've search optimized my podcast. And that is not true. If only it were so. <laughs> That's the thing I push back against is, you know, a transcript is helpful. Again, it's a record of your conversation and it will give you verbatim like what was said and it will give you more words on the page. But more words on the page is not the key to getting more traffic to your website. Mm -hmm. Those words have to be meaningful, they have to be formatted, and they have to respond to someone's search intent, right? So if we're talking about search, people are asking a question, they want answer to something. And, you know, one of the main things with a transcript is it doesn't clearly answer that question. The answer might be embedded 20 minutes into the conversation and might extend for, for 10 minutes, of a 30-minute conversation, but you have to massage it and write it up and format it in a way so that, you know, it actually would be meaningful to a searcher who landed on that page. Basically, if you just throw a transcript on the page, you're asking people to do a lot of work that they're probably mm. not going to do if it's a first-time visitor. No, that's a really good point. And I mean, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned accessibility as well, because that is um, always good to keep top of mind. Um, but it, it was really different types of accessibility because you want to have the, the native piece of audio accessible to maybe someone who's using a screen reader, but the messages, the specific learnings aren't necessarily accessible at a really quick glance to anyone who's reading the, the content or has listened and wants kind of a review. So it's, a, it's an interesting way to look at the two options there. What about other mistakes people might be making in repurposing? Um, what are some of the kind of common ones that you see or maybe assumptions people make about how it works um, that is different from the reality of what is actually effective? First of all, like we spoke to this a little bit, but I think people assuming, okay, now that I'm repurposing, I've got to repurpose everything all the time. I don't think that's true. And obviously we talked a little bit about that. The other thing is a lot of people will come to us where they've tried to outsource, they've maybe tried a different writer and they just haven't achieved the desired result. It just didn't read well. So we've spoken a little bit about some of the things that would make audio or video into a readable piece of content. Mm -hmm. I guess the mistake 
there is, if this is something you are looking to outsource, I would caution you to make sure that the person has done it a lot and that they can show you examples that align with your topic. Because, for example, this is a really basic thing, which, I mean, I'm sure you would know and anyone who's done a little bit of repurposing. So like in a podcast interview, for example, people will often spend a lot of times on introductions. They could spend up to 10 minutes of the interview. When you're writing it up for someone to read, you probably want a sentence or two on that person's background and why they're going to be relevant. Why are we Mm -hmm. reading about this person or why is their opinion included? And so someone that's done this type of content before will know to do that. Whereas if it's someone who might be newer to the process, they're going to capture this whole background conversation. And I'm going to like, as the reader, read two or three sentences and be like, okay, I'm done. I I find that so similar to in podcast interviewing. Um, Kind of one of my, it's not a bad thing, but I do kind of consider it like it's the planted flag of the newer podcaster, the amateur podcaster is to, you know, do a two minute bio or let the guest give their own two-minute bio right at the top. That's a long time in between welcome to the show and actual content. It, it really can be extensive. Yeah, and, you know, I understand why people ask and say, introduce yourself, tell us what you do, you know, and whatever. But yes, that leaves a lot of room for, you know, a person to go in a million directions that isn't entirely relevant, right? It, like, it's not directly connected to the insights mm-hmm. from the conversation, And so the point of an introduction, at least, you know, in a written piece, is why should I believe what this person has to Mm -hmm. say? I like that. I think that's a good rule of thumb across the board. Uh, You know, enough intro to establish credibility. That that works. That's a perfect way to put it. Perfect. Well, uh, why don't we tell everyone where they can find you and maybe reach out if they would like some outsourcing done? Thank you for having (laughs) me, Megan. I know this is a newer endeavor for you, Mm -hmm. and I'm honored to have been able to join you. So pleased you're here. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's been great. I know we've kind of followed each other for a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is is nice to finally connect face-to-face and and have a good chat. This is one of the things that is so great about podcasting, right? It's just like this excuse to connect, and I love being a part of it. But yeah, if people would like to check us out, probably the best place is podreacher.com. Otherwise, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn, so would welcome connections there. And I'll, I'll point out a uh, very good LinkedIn too. Uh, actual useful articles and interesting commentary. Uh, and it's not just you know, normal LinkedIn stuff. It's, it's really good, <laughs> useful content. So I'm going to share what I know there. With all social media, right? People either bash Twitter or they bash LinkedIn or whatever. And there's no shortage, but I enjoy the conversations on LinkedIn. Oh, that's awesome. Well, the links uh, to Podreacher and to you on LinkedIn will be in the show notes. Uh, And thank you again so much for joining me. Thank you, Megan. The Business Podcast Blueprint is hosted by me, Megan Doherty, and developed in collaboration with my business partner, Audra Casino. Together, we run One Stone Creative, your one-stop shop for all things company podcasts. The show is produced by Erwin Galino and Jensen Galino, managed by Darla Fields, and the notes and assets are written by Hazel Ann LaFortune. If you're thinking about a podcast for your company, I'd love to talk. Get in touch via any contact form on onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E, stonecreative.net.